Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week are Cesar Guerrero and Pastor Mitch White. Hey, hey, guys. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Cesar. Hey there. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm doing all right. Sitting uh, on a balcony over, overlooking the ocean at uh, 50 degree weather. So, can't yeah, be there. Worse places to be. Yeah, yeah. There are. There are better Not places bad. to be. That's the one that's got 75 degree weather. At <laughs> the warmer <laughs> beach would be nice. That's right. <laughs> Well, we are in the middle of a series uh, with our family of churches called The Whole Story, where we're going through the Bible in a year. And this week, Mitch was at Westlake talking about Solomon. So we're going to talk a little bit about that message today and get into uh, what Solomon might have for us uh, as, as modern Christians, as people living in today's world. And we're going to talk about that now and about obedience. Yeah, so let's get into it, guys. Mitch, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about your prep and, and kind of how you have uh, gone about forming this message around the life of the most wise, most wisdomous person in the Bible. Known as the most wise, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, some yeah, of yeah. His, maybe not some, yeah, some name of, only. Yeah, that's right. Some of <laughs> some of his life we saw, uh, we we kind of questioned his wisdom. But uh, yeah, this was a <clears throat> this was a little bit different in the sense of. There's a lot out there, a lot out there when you're given the topic of Solomon and how do you narrow, how do you uh, pick those pieces. And so some of it in preparing this one, you can't necessarily zone down into one part of this story. Uh, you kind of, so when I tackle something this big, I try and get, kind of come up above uh, the trees and get a kind of helicopter view and what are the things that I can look at uh, in order to capture the wholeness of him as opposed to just a specific story. Uh, it's a little more challenging because you there's so many little stories and so many life lessons in there that you can grab, but you've got to kind of get, you got to zone in on one thing. Yeah, yeah, I found Solomon so interesting um, because, and I feel like I've mentioned this a lot as we've gone through each of these weeks of the whole story, but just my experience with these stories uh, for the first time. So I, I go back to Sunday school a lot when I'm thinking about uh, kind of the Old Testament especially. And I remember thinking about Solomon in an interesting way, uh, you know, because he's just this guy who, again, has this illustrative kind of title and, and yet uh, seems to be flawed. And that's just always a weird thing to come to terms to as a, as a, a young person of faith as you kind of realize how the, the stories in the Bible, there's a lot more than the Sunday school version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. he, hearing the grown-up stories about, you know, Solomon almost cutting a baby in half <laughs> and mm-hmm. and having all of these uh, people in his household, all of these women, uh, it feels very strange. Yeah, it feels very strange. It is. And for Solomon especially, I mean, you've got people in the scriptures that are flawed and that's a, there's a beauty in that because we can identify our own story uh, with those. But Solomon's a little bit different in the sense that we've got uh, three books in the Bible. Um, you know, you've got, well, two of them that he's written. Uh, and then uh, you've got these other ones that talk a lot about him. But here's a guy who 
was completely disobedient to the Lord's guidance. And yet yeah. we've got two books in the Bible written by him that were to gleam uh, information from. And that's, uh, that's just a fascinating thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, did you find yourself wanting to lean more on his own words? Uh, so going to those, those passages that he perhaps wrote or attributed to him or going back to maybe towards the narrative stuff, did you find yourself leaning towards one or the other as you, as you shaped this past weekend, Mitch? Yeah, I went uh, more to the narrative, mainly because uh, the way we're walking through the whole story. But the other part is this coming week, I'll be looking at uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, his wisdom. So I tried purposely to stay away from that because I knew that's where we're going this week. Uh, But found myself wanting to stay more in narrative. And that's where I'm naturally, uh, I enjoy as well, is telling the story and grabbing his uh, his whole life picture yeah so how did you go about finding the the of all the little vignettes in in life which ones jumped out to you i know people can go and listen to the message but as you were going through them which which ones did did you feel the most drawn to that you thought well this could apply to something for a takeaway for for today for for modern christians which ones kind of jumped out more so than the other ones good And, and what why did you choose those yeah, so whenever I'm preparing for a sermon like this, I want to capture, okay, you know, it's been a while since I've actually visited Solomon. So I just sat down one day and I just read his whole story and just started First Kings and just tried to just get my head around everything. And <clears throat> part of it coming out of um, Nicole the week before talking about his father, David, Yeah, was uh, it was interesting just to even get into First Kings Here's, uh, here's David, who uh, a flawed man as well, but a man after God's own heart is part of what she addressed. Mm-hmm. But his, you notice in chapter two, his final words to his son, you know, he's dying. And here's more than anything I want to tell you, be obedient. So that just leaped out at me. And then as I read his story, you see his wisdom, you see how God's blessing him and building the kingdom. And then all of a sudden you get into chapter 11 and the very guidance that the uh, Lord gave, but also his father saying, be obedient above everything else is the number one thing he goes away from. Mm. So I just, uh, that was the piece that I found was interesting because you've got 10 chapters really talking about the success of this man and his wealth, uh, his power, his uh, likability, his wisdom. And yet here is his flaw. His flaw is in chapter 11 of where he goes against the guidance of the Lord to not marry uh, and not to marry uh, into other nations that are worshiping other gods. And that's kind of where I honed in also because his father had his own flaw. So what was the difference um, in his father's flaw uh, and his flaw? Uh, that was kind of the piece that I wanted to, that just caught my eye and thought, I bet we can learn something from this. Yeah, it's this. There's kind of a more of a clear cut cause and effect in that, like things going well, being tied to obedience, um, as, and compare that to maybe a story we'll get to eventually, which is Job. It's it's interesting. You know, Job doesn't necessarily have 
any disobedience in his life, and yet all these terrible things happen to them. So it seems yeah. like there's it's almost more of a parable in Solomon's life because you can kind of easily track the moments where obedience leads to to good things, whereas yeah. sometimes you're obedient and bad things still happen. It's a it's a kind of a weird thing yeah. to think about when you compare it to other stories in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think part of what we're assured in Scripture is when you're obedient. Uh, the Lord's got you. I mean, you're walking in his path, but you're not promised uh, that bad things won't happen. When you're disobedient, I think there is a promise that bad things are going to happen. So I mm. think that's I think that's the only difference is um, I can guarantee if you're disobedient, life ain't going to play out well. But uh, if you're obedient, even in the things that don't play out well, the Lord's got his hand on you. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the more clever moments in your message, you you brought up this uh, this status quo thing, which <laughs> I thought was really funny and clever. Where did where did that come from? What did how did you come to that kind of little new is it a mnemonic device? I guess is is that what it's called when when you put something to help remember a yeah, that's an a, idea. That's way above my play, um, pay grade. I don't know what it's called. I just do them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Caesar's the liberal arts guy. He can kind of tell me what, yeah, uh, what yeah. that is. Come on, Caesar. <laughs> uh, the um, you know, it was interesting. That didn't come until actually when I, it came after I sent, uh, sent my sermon notes or right before it. But I was looking at the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm. That was kind of my starting place, and um, which always uh i'm intrigued by because we we have a culture that seeks a lot of knowledge we don't have a yeah. culture that seeks wisdom and there's a real difference in that like i said and you know wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge that you do have well but then i just began to look at you know here's a guy who has knowledge he's got wisdom but even in that his downfall was his lack of obedience uh, and so I just tried to then play with, okay, where does obedience play in this? And you can, uh, and then it just kind of came out with this, okay, what's the status you need to keep in your life? You know, you got to keep an order in your life. Okay, there's knowledge. Great. Wisdom's better. Uh, what's well, even better than wisdom? Obedience. And then I went, well, there you go. There's a little acronym right there. And uh, we'll, we'll just play with that. So I could say the Lord gave it to me, and he may have, but it was just fun. <laughs> it's just your own wisdom that you get where it came from. <laughs> well, it's funny, that acronym, I, I, I didn't know that that's what you were going to say, and then we read it K-N, um, no, K-W-O, right? Yeah. Knowledge, yeah, yeah. wisdom, Quo. obedience. And then we said quo, I, I was like, that is like, a dad joke, Mary, a <laughs> joke, you know, and I was just like, so I was very impressed by it. <laughs> very impressed. Well, thank you. Um, and but, and, and only thought, a dad could pull that one off. Yeah. I was yeah. like, that, yeah. Is, that is true sermon jujitsu right there. <laughs> <laughs> but what's cool is like, that also encapsulates, you know, how the Bible talks about knowledge and wisdom and obedience, like for mm for the biblical authors they don't separate those three words it's all the same word yep and and it's, it's this hebrew word that says that if you know something then you're going to use it like yep. like in mm. the same way a woodworker 
knows how to work wood. He's not just like, oh yeah, that piece of wood, you know, with these tools can turn to that. It's not just a knowledge of outcomes. It's a, the ability to see it through and um, it's, it's involves skill. And I thought that was so interesting because you even talked about how faith and obedience are kind of related in that way too. Can you explain that one again? Because in on the back end, um, you know, I was making a social media post with that quote uh, yeah. about how faith and obedience are related. But I thought it'd be cool to yeah. ask about that. And are they related in the same way? Or are they combined mm-hmm. in the same way that that quote kind of thing is combined? Or is there something else? Yeah, yeah that's um, awesome. Yeah, the uh, it's, it's interesting because part of this sermon series we've been trying to tie what we're learning from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And I left it at obedience, uh, but then as I began to play with that sermon to massage it a little bit toward the end, I just, it dawned on me, you know, okay, what, what, does, what does the scripture say about obedience in the New Testament? And the passage from Romans is the real turning point. It was a it was actually a passage that um, Martin Luther, it changed his whole perspective of Scripture. And it's really the passage that uh, birthed, in a lot of ways, the Reformation. And he could not uh, make sense that how the Catholic Church was all about obedience. And if you're obedient, then faith comes. But he discovered in that passage that, wait, that's reversed. The passage says... Um, that we have an obedience that comes from faith. We don't have a faith that comes from obedience. And so part of it for him was the enlightenment of we should be pursuing uh, Jesus more than anything. And his love for us and our belief in him and what he's done, as we pursue that, obedience flows out of that. As opposed to Part of what the Catholic Church and what he wrestled with was there was a pounding of obedience. You just have to do right. And then in that, you'll understand the grace of Jesus. So that's part of where that was, is that our our obedience is, is good to be called to obedience. That's where we play that out. But for us in the New Testament, we're different than a Solomon. In the New Testament, it, our obedience flows completely out of what Christ has already done. So I don't do things to get him to love me. I do things because he's loved me. That's kind of the best way to understand it. Yeah, and that reminds me of Ephesians 2, uh, Luke 8 and 9. You know, it's by grace we have been saved through faith. Yep. Right? And this is not of ourselves. It is, is a gift of God. So, um, uh, And not by works so that no man may boast. That's the rest of that, actually. Yeah. yeah so it, that kind of shuts. It's what you're saying exactly, right? That that this comes as a gift from God first, right? Yep. Through the, yep. our faith. And it's really the way I want my children to relate to me. I don't want my children to be obedient to me because in order to get my love. I want them to be obedient mm-hmm. because, wow, my dad loves me. He really does have my best in mind. And so I'm going to honor him in that. Where do you think that temptation comes from to have it reversed to begin with? Mm-hmm. If it's something that we're undoing, why do we learn the other way first before this? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. Yeah. Good. I think it's a control. Honestly, I think it's a control mechanism. I think it's uh, obedience. A lot of times feels like it's in our hands. So even in that, okay, God, I did what you asked me to do. So you owe me. I think there's a piece in that. 
uh, we see it all around us um, in the sense that we always feel like in anything we do, even in our jobs sometimes, we feel like, okay, I did what they asked me to do, so they owe me, as opposed to, um, are you going to do what you're doing? Because this is part of what we agreed on. This is our, our contract. Mm -hmm. I, I just, honestly, I, don't, I mean, I don't know all of that, but it's, it's a great question, Caesar. But I, I do believe a lot of it really is, it's a control mechanism. It keeps, it feels like in some way it keeps the power in our hand. Mm -hmm. and, and in our control and that's where we naturally would rather it be mm. yeah I, I'm struck too thinking about this idea and thinking about uh, evangelism and bringing people into the fold of faith uh, it seems like for many decades the church has utilized this kind of obedience as a I, I would call it an easier way to get people into the faith because yep. um, but you know the sad the sad reality of that is that it's it's kind of fear based, you know. Yep. So if we start with, you must obey because of this consequences, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, fear is a powerful motivator. Absolutely. Uh, and so for a lot of people, um, if they have this idea of of a vengeful God or a God they should be afraid of, as opposed to a God who is grace first, um, then then that could motivate them to come to church yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and if so, that doesn't work we'll go to guilt um guilt seems yeah. to be uh, number two yeah. on that list of a mm -hmm. way we can get people to respond and but it's uh it's fascinating because if you if you track uh christ if you track god throughout scripture every situation he offers blessing first and so every in anything he calls us to be obedient in he begins with his grace and his blessing. Mm. It's only when we don't listen to his grace and blessing that fear comes in. But that fear is really centered on God's wrath coming against the sin, the very disobedience that we're clinging to. And we feel that, although it's, his wrath is directed toward that disobedience and not us. But we feel it because we're so tied to it. But the whole goal of that wrath is to separate us from the sin, uh, not for yes. us to go down with it. But in all of those situations, you always see uh, the Lord beginning with his grace and with his mercy and his blessing. Um, only does he result to the other, revert to the other if we won't separate ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking uh, through a lot of the ideas around sacrifice and purity in um, Numbers and Deuteronomy in the Bible journey right now, which is uh, the class we've mentioned a few times here on the show that I've been going through and she's been doing some of it too. But, um, you know, those are some of, at first glance, some of the driest portions of, of Scripture, this Numbers <laughs> and, and Deuteronomy. And yet it's been really neat to go and dive into those books for the really the first time, even grow up in church. I didn't spend a ton of time reading those those books because there's not a lot of stories there, to my earlier right. point, right? <laughs> yep. Not a lot of Sunday school stories in, yep. in those portions. But what's remarkable about reading some of these commands and uh, ritual and that kind of thing is just really seeing God's heart for purity and, and not for his sake. Uh, but for our own, mm -hmm. um, and that he wants cleanliness for us because of his love, not necessarily because 
he demands it first. He does demand it, but it's more for our sake than you might realize when you're just reading a whole long list of, yeah. of things you're supposed to do and ritual and, and uh, basically yeah. busy work, it seems like, right? Yeah, it does. And the, the analogy for myself that's kind of grabbed that is um, we, I have this uh, Keurig coffee pot, which <laughs> I love, but it gives clear instructions on how often you should clean it and descale it and do all that. <laughs> I don't ever do that stuff. And I go, this is a waste of time. It's just inconvenient. I don't like it. And then that thing breaks um, pretty quickly. And then yeah. I'm mad because I didn't follow those uh, those cleaning rules. And yeah. I think it's the same thing for us. Of going, really, is this necessary? Can I just get by through life without it? Yeah, you can, but life's going to be a lot shorter and a lot harder. And it's kind of been my own analogy with it. Start paying attention to the cleaning instructions. Yeah. yeah. Well, and see if you were completely judging the cleanliness of the Westlake office after Mitch's sermon Ooh, on that's Sunday. That's a whole other level. Uh, you'll just see. You'll just see that we're we're just leading. He's Mitch has been leading by example, right? We don't clean because Mitch first did not clean. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> The really you, the reality you don't is we clean bring our because, own cup. That's right. You don't clean because Mitch is the only one who cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> We're just doing what the XP does, you know? That's right. That's exactly right. That's, that's funny. Um, Speaking that's funny. of maintenance, like what you said is so true, but then those situations where I have reaped the consequences of my lack of maintenance, and I'm thinking about like my car. <laughs> I'm thinking about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, like my my folders in my computer when I haven't cleaned out, you know, all those multiple documents, it's clogging up my my memory and now my computer's running slow. It's like it is a such a human thing to to neglect. Yeah. Mm. I I just think that's so interesting. And you know, I was like, of course that's the true of our spiritual life as well. Yeah. Like Absolutely. that our spiritual life is just constant neglect and then having to go back to God being like okay you know i this is what i've done you know it's like i i, I have a, i have nothing to bring other than my my broken my broken thing that i yep. you know fix a lot of time and yet god is so quick to be like okay well, let me fix that for you and yeah get started again. and i and i think as a kid i heard a lot of sermons about backsliding um, and that's a concept that is all up in Southern Baptist churches. I was going to say, uh, I grew up Baptist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I constantly heard, you know, at revivals, at, you know, when you bring in a guest speaker who's bringing you the truth, you know, the hard truth, mm-hmm. it's always has something to do with this kind of progress of faith. And like, if you're not prog- progressing, you are regressing and all these other yeah. ways of saying don't backslide. And, when you look at scripture, there is no progress. There is only, you know, people having to go back to God every single generation being like, we broke it or they broke it before us and we inherited something that was broken. So help us, help us fix that. Um, how much, how much of that are you going to talk about that in, in Proverbs? <laughs> Cause there's a lot of like, yeah, not yeah. breaking. A little teaser Proverbs, for next time. Yeah, yeah, that's right not breaking things so what what is that so that's when y'all can pray for me if you thought solomon's life uh was big uh how do you preach on proverbs in one week all the proverbs and (laughs) uh but i got an idea we'll let you know we'll talk about that one next week though sounds good
Well, this is reminding me of an idea we've brought up a few times as we've looked through um, some New Testament passages uh, more last year when we were starting the show. But we talked a few times about just uh, faith being a practice and this idea of maintenance uh, needing to, to take place is really interesting because if I, th- I think we see this in Solomon's life, right? Like he was obedient for a while. And we have a tendency, I think, as humans to think, well, I did this thing, I was obedient, and I got all the good stuff for it, so I must kind of be done. Whether we consciously make that decision or not, there's this kind of finality to that. I did it once, so it must be good thing. Where in reality, what we see is that there's a a maintenance or a a practice of spirituality or faith that needs to continue through our life so the the workmanship can be complete at the end of our life, right? It needs to... Kind of, we continuously, routinely, and I think God gets that because, well, it's what He kind of put these these kind of practices and rituals in place, especially in the Old Testament. We see that more there, but yeah, it it just reminds me of that idea of spiritual practice, kind of doing things that seem rote or routine in order to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. That's well said, but it's uh, it's just not a piece in us that we can. Uh, be motivated enough from the beginning to kind of see, okay, if I follow this, then there's going to be great blessing on the other yeah. end of it. And, you know, it's even uh, like my car, you know, there, and this is interesting. And you brought this up Caesar with your truck is, you know, if I read the maintenance manual and if it was put in a way of going, man, you want the life of your car to keep going and, you'll have it for hundreds of thousands of miles. It'll also produce all of this wonderful, you know, they're not written like that. That's kind of the way the Lord though is speaking to us is you want a life that's rich and full and uh, life giving. Um, The manuals are kind of written. You don't want it to break down. You know, it's always the negative side of that. And I think that's kind of even how we think about, okay, if I don't do these things, the Lord asked me, it's not about what I might gain. It's really about, okay, if I don't do it, then I'm going to lose this and I'm going to lose that. It's, it's always this negative side of things. And that's actually, uh, that whole thinking right there is kind of what's leading me a little bit into how I might even preach uh, the Proverbs this week. Mm-hmm. How do you preach it from a God-blessing side of things instead of a God-curse uh, side of things? Yeah. Well, before we tip your hand too much mitch let's uh let's close the book on this past week and then we'll hear hear from you again on sunday but any closing thoughts as we end our time together for this week's message um if you figure out how to remain obedient every day let me know that's uh that's my journey (laughs) too uh i know why i want to i know what the lord calls me to um and i think the secret to that is uh, every day it calls me back to the cross, uh, falling more in love every day with uh, what Jesus has already done before I focus on the things he's asking me to do. Nice. nice. That and make sure you change your oil every 5,000 miles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, friends, that is Very all the time we have for this week's episode of Tell Us More. I want to thank Caesar for being my co-host as always. And thanks, Mitch, for, for coming by and, and joining us. Uh, from the beach enjoy the rest of your trip my friend Uh, join us next time when we ask those speaking to us to tell us more and hey go clean your coffee pot goodbye oh that was good